Hello, and welcome to American Moments. My name is Adam. This is Matt. And today we're here to talk about reality TV as a, as a macrocosm, but really about Survivor. As our American moment. As our American moment, which was released in... 2000. 2000. Summer of 2000. Man, that doesn't sound that long ago, but that was really a long long time ago. 17 years. Yeah. Let me ask you something. When you were in high school, what kind of TV did you watch? Well, I definitely watched Saved by the Bell. Bell, Belding's the man. Sports Sports Center. Who's the boss? Yeah. Cosby Show. But what do all those things have in common? They're all scripted shows. They're all scripted, and they're all networks, right? So, I mean, the, the cable, yep. the cable revolution hadn't happened yet. No, ABC, NBC, CBS, and then it was a there was The Simpsons and Married with Children on Fox. What's hysterical? Did you ever have to record your shows on a VCR? Oh, for sure. That, that was an art. But, it was. So, fast forwarding to where we are today, and what we were trying to do is take, try to pin down a moment where. Our TV and media consumption experience kind of changed, and we pinned that down to the release of Survivor in 2000. Right. Well, you think about the shows you watch now, and whether you admit it or not, you watch some terrible reality television. Yeah, it's funny because we all go through our stages of acceptance there, and I, I was one of those people who hated re- reality TV. Mm-hmm. I was like one of those snobs who's like, "Ooh, <laughs> Survivor," and definitely, "Ooh, I'm still ooh Bachelor." But you get that one gate, you get that one gateway show that kind of gets you over the edge. It does. What What was your gateway show? My well, mine was Survivor. I mean, this oh, it was is, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was my show that started to make me watch reality television, and I have no shame. Okay, well, I, I like that. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of I would go in the closet and watch Amazing Race by myself. It's a good when one. No one was watching, which was actually a spinoff of Survivor, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. It wasn't a spinoff, but it was by this. It was by Mark Burnett. It's just fascinating to go back to and see what our TV consumption yeah. was like back then versus what it is now. You know, and even your secret television show is like the most awarded television show or reality television show ever. It's won numerous Emmys and is really. Thought of as one of the highest brow, if you can have that yeah. in reality television. Well, I was just, I was such, my, my now wife, girlfriend at the time was into all those shows. And I was like, turn on the history <laughs> show. Realizing that I was really, the joke was really on me. And right. I, I was really just kind of a tool. And she was with the mainstream. <laughs> um, so I, I was just out of principle kind of opposing it for a while. But then after a while, you know, you get into the Bear Grylls and Amazing Race and things like that. Yeah. And, no and here we are. And now everything's a reality show. It you is. Know? Yeah, I mean, the number one shows on TV these days are, the number one rating shows are always reality television shows. They have been for the last 15 years. So to kind of set the stage of how we got there, TV has not been around as long as we like to think. It really became prevalent after World War II. You know, radio was the main medium. All the radio programs, the infamous Ralphie in A Christmas Story getting his Ovaltine (laughs) instructions via the radio. That's how most people... Secret decoder. Exactly. And there were kind of shows that could be described as quote-unquote reality. They had some shows that were... They have some non-scripted content, which was really big back in the day. You know, so you got to think about the time. It was a pretty straight-laced America. But after the the TV renaissance really kind of takes off in 1948, when you have, we now refer to every show is like this now, but a hidden camera show, Mm -hmm. which was the first iteration of Candid Camera. And America, we kind of know that all these shows aren't real, but this story a lot of it becomes a lot about 
America's understanding and their their willingness to suspend their belief of reality of what I'm watching <laughs> on of what I'm watching on this show sure. is that really real or you know what is because Americans like to walk a very thin line there and there's been a couple times where we've gone on the wrong side of it and it's really blown up for the TV market most notably in yeah. the 1950s where we had what was called the quiz show scandals. Oh yeah, so there was all these shows like Tic-Tac-Doe and 21 and things like that. And it really became a scandal when it was shown that they were fixed. For those who don't who don't know what 21 is, that the movie Quiz Show is actually about about 21 and the scandal. Yep. And it it basically was a, a quiz show where you'd go head to head with another contestant and they had one reigning champion and then they'd have a challenger each week. And the first show they tried to play it straight and it was a flop. So the producer's name was Dan Enright, and he described, <laughs> and I kind of feel bad for him a little bit. I mean, it, having to fix something is never a good thing, but you can kind of see the pressure that these producers are under, even yeah. even in the 1950s. On the first show, they had one unfixed show of, of 21, and neither contestant was able to answer a question, and it ended at 0-0. Zero, <laughs> zero. Oh, I didn't know that. That's and amazing. the sponsor was like, this is horrible. Right. Never do this again, or you're losing your job. So... Dan Enright said, and he was a producer of the show, he said, quote, In fact, the first show of 21 was not rigged, and the first show of 21 was a dismal failure. It was just plain dull. It lacked all drama. It lacked all suspense. And next morning, the sponsor called my partner, Jack Barry, and me, and told us in no uncertain terms that he never wanted to see a repeat of what happened the previous night. <laughs> and from that moment on, we decided to rig 21, unquote. And that's what people wanted. I mean, they wanted that drama. But again, Americans don't like to be hoodwinked either. So what really kicked off the scandal was there was a, a show named Dotto, where one of the contestants was given the answers to it, left all the answers on a notepad in the booth, and it was found. Hmm. And so that started. And then the 21 scandal happened right after that. In the Senate hearing room, the dramatic climax of the probe of fixed and rigged quiz shows. Charles Van Doren's wife and father, poet Mark Van Doren, are in the audience. As committee chairman, Senator Orrin Harris opens the hearing. Charles Van Doren arrives to apologize and attempt to explain to the millions whose friendship and respect he had won. In his quiz show appearances, he also won $129,000 and earned a handsome broadcasting contract. Van Doren retracts his earlier denials of getting any assistance. He admits that he received dramatic coaching and the questions and many of the answers. But his statement is a rueful and moving realization that for his wealth and fame, he paid a bitterly high price. It was bad, So, it, but this wasn't uniquely an American thing. In 1959 the British version had the exact same problem. Mm. So they tried to they tried to do it clean too, but if it was dull, they just axed it. They sure. coached the contestants. So there was a, a, a reigning champion named Herbert Stemple who That's yeah, a great name. Yeah, it's a great name. It's an absolutely great name. And he had been he'd been the reigning champion, but he'd been given the answers before too and they, they told him to take a dive. This all came out after he became a whistleblower after he wasn't given a show after that. Yeah. And Americans found out that their their shows were fixed, and they were kind of pissed about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, for sure. I mean, like I said, part of the intrigue is the ability to win, mm -hmm. you know, and if it's rigged. And people, I mean, you think about it. At this time, you had three network television channels. Mm -hmm. That's what you're tuning into That's every night. It. So it was a big, so all these shows kind of went away at, after this. But there, there were other 
kind of quote unquote reality shows. Like there was the dating shows and there was the judge shows, like the court. Uh, the court yeah, I didn't even think Judge Wapner. Yep. And Chuck Berry, the gong show. Chuck Berry, yes. Well, he was the guy. Slash CIA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he had the dating game, he had People's Court, all the hidden camera shows. Yep. Those were kind of as far as reality TV went. And then Candid Camera came out, the, the one we're all used to thinking of. He's dealing with one of those hard-to-open plastic bags. And it looks so simple, you just pull the plastic apart and you put your fruit right in there. But of course, what this guy doesn't know is that we heat-sealed both ends of this plastic bag. And no matter what he does, he's not going to get it open. And that's one where you're basically trolling all the contestants. You have hidden cameras, right. stuff's jumping out. You catch people kind of looking stupid. Yep. That was a big, big hit. People behaving badly. Yes, and as long as, as it's not... As sad as it is to say, we like to see other people behave badly. We do. But we'll get into this in a little bit more, but I read some articles that that is not the primary motivator behind why people like reality TV. It's, it's the that, opposite. Yeah, I kind of found it yep. pretty enlightening there. So that was Candid Camera, and then after that... The first show that really kind of took us into this genre was a Dutch show called Numer, which is basically Numer, which is number. At least I think Thanks it is. For the yeah, exactly. My, this dead-on translation and pronunciation, I'm sure. <laughs> so they re- they recorded. It was basically real world for Dutch people, and that was 1991. And of course, in 1992, the real world came out. And that was a massive oh, yeah, hit. The real world. I remember that. I don't remember the first. I think the first season was in New York or something like that. It was. Yeah. But the one that yeah, everyone remembers so is the San Francisco one in 1994, mm-hmm. where you had that just that, that troll. What was his name? Puck? Puck. Some of those girls are going to end up really not liking me, dude. It's okay. You know what I love? They can't vote me off. It's, I'm like a spoonful of salt. When Puck was on TV, I remember thinking, like, this guy's just insane, dude. Like, nobody will ever be able to talk him down. You had all those different, you know, no one got along, and there right. was drama, and everyone, and it just turned into a, into a disaster, and the ratings just skyrocketed. I mean, it was huge. I mean, I think I think re, the real world is still going today on MTV. It is, and it's funny because the show, it was brilliant because you don't really need to do much besides just take a bunch of people. Mm-mm. And just let them go. I mean, there was a... But everything you saw was, was very original and off the yeah. cuff. And you think about it, you just throw a bunch of booze and have people with a, you know, in a great huh. studio and let sure. them go out and follow them around with cameras. And it's probably part of the appeal because people can see themselves or they have acted that way before. So anyway, that was... I, I call that kind of our first step for big step forward in the reality TV. I would say and for yeah, our generation. Yeah, for our generation. Really, really yeah. it. But that's really when it started coming around was it was our generation back yeah. at that point. So in the mid 90s. Then as I was alluding to before, you get the people who are like, you know, MTV, the History Channel today doesn't have any history shows on anymore. And people are saying, <laughs> "Where's where's the history?" You know, you used to have modern marvels and things like that. Now it's, it's all, all terrible. Reality. It's all it's all lumberjack shows yeah. and 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 they're they're cool, but MTV was the first I feel like they were the first station to kind of go through that renaissance where they didn't do music videos anymore. All they were doing was real world and stuff like that. I agree. And then there was that other one, Road Rules. Road Rules. Yeah. What was the difference with that? So Road Rules was was awesome. It was like they'd go on the road and do different jobs or different things. Like It was like a road trip, which is probably more similar to what we'll get to, Survivor, that it was more challenge-based. Yeah, so at at this point, MTV was a cable 
operation. And what was mm-hmm. on the TV networks at this point was just a lot of a lot of sitcoms, things like that, like Gilmore Girls. There was a, yeah, there was a definite pattern to yeah. the shows. Yeah, and it worked. And at the time, you had the fall season, and, and there's still there's still seasons, right? There's a, the optimal season to release a show is still the fall, but back then it was even more so. Mm-hmm. The movie season was summer season, and the TV producers called that rerun season. Yeah, no, no new TV in the summer at all. Lots of Love Boat. That's another guilty admission. I love oh, me, I love me some Love Boat. I can't admit that. <laughs> hey, man, it's only you and me here, right? Yeah. yeah. So a guy named Mark Burnett was a British transplant. And decided, you know what? I'm just going to go make my way in America. And this guy is. Did you watch anything? Any documentaries about him or anything? Yeah, he is a character, man. He is. I mean, you see him now. He's just a huge character. He's like the Elon Musk of TV, kind of the way I look at it. So he he basically just comes to the United States, says, "Damn the torpedoes! I'm going to make my way over there." And <laughs> he's a nanny. He's a t-shirt salesman. He's he's selling t-shirts in on the beach at one point. And just yeah. keeps and keeps networking, makes contacts. Pretty amazing. Gets into television, and he he got into television, and he did something called Eco Challenge. What we want Guys, have a good time. And what made it interesting was he 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 took the racers and. He humanized them. So he took the the triumphs and the failures of all these racers, and that's what he focused on instead of the race itself. He did, absolutely. I mean, you know, that eco-challenge, he saw an opportunity there, and he actually created the first one in 95, I think. He created the race in Utah and filmed it and turned it into a a series where they followed them on this multi-day adventure race where they were competing against each other. And you nailed it. Adam, I mean, the thing was that he not only focused on the challenges, but the relationships and the people themselves. Backstories on that person, you know, my grandma has a broken toe and I need to save money so she can get it relocated, you know, things like that. Does that happen a lot to you? It does. Yeah, bigger problem than you might think. So that that's kind of when I think the light bulb started going off in his head that, you know, the way we've been doing it, it's been fine. We've created some real quality television, but... There's a bigger bucket of gold out there, not only because you could do a program like that and have it be different and have it be more engaging, but they're a lot cheaper to produce. So much cheaper. Yeah. You don't have talent. I mean, you're, it's not like you're taking a million takes. It's like, here's a case of Natty Light and just right. go off and be yourself. Not in that case, obviously, but I'm talking <laughs> about real world now. But yeah. you don't have to really pay these people much. I mean, and it's really rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. So he decides that he's going to approach the CBS executives and say, guess what? We're going to release this new concept show called Survivor mm-hmm. in the summer season. Well, and to that, he actually did a show two years before that was like the first Survivor that was called Expedition Robinson in Sweden. And it was play on Swiss Family Robinson. Which is awesome. Yeah. Have you been to the Disney World the Swiss Family <laughs> Robinson thing? It's a full-on recreation of the Swiss Family Robinson treehouse That's down there. Awesome. Oh, the kids love it. But, yeah. But anyway. Well, anyway, it was a huge hit. I mean, it was the same story, you know, and we'll get into what Survivor looked like, but it was the same format with Swedes, and it was a huge hit in Sweden. The finale was viewed by 4 million people, which is half of the population of Sweden. Wow. And so that's what he used. He used a clip from that to show to CBS executives. Well, and the CBS executives saw the clip before, and they were like, no, we're we're passing. But they had also 
brought yeah, some not. reporters. They brought some reporters, and the reporters lost it. They were like, this is awesome. The drama. Yeah, and it was a really an ingenious idea. It's not just a challenge, but it was like uh, I'm marooned on an island angle and feel to mm-hmm. it. The, the teamwork. And we now know when we're looking at a reality TV show, oh, this guy's going to be the villain. This guy's going to play the long game. But you didn't know yeah. that then. We didn't have those archetypes build up in our heads yet. You almost kind of have like the Bond villain of Survivor in, in each, <laughs> e- e- each season. You do, yeah. completely. And I mean, CBS bit. They saw the reaction of these reporters, and they'd never seen that before. You know, Generally, in the past, there was a small group of people that would choose what movies or what TV shows were picked up and what TV shows produced. And it was executives. It wasn't the reporters. It wasn't the people. The, the saying was, again, going back to the fact that it was movie season, it takes Jaws to get people out, the movie Jaws, yes. to get people out, out of the sun <laughs> into the theaters to go watch something in the summer. They kind of thought it was crazy at the point. Well, and, and the other thing, the other reason Survivor, the first Survivor here in the U.S., premiered May 31st to, in 2000. And part of the reason that it went forward, you know, CBS said, yeah, let's do this, was that it was cheap to produce. So the loss, if no one watched it in the summer, was not going to be that much because it wasn't expensive. The idea behind Survivor is you take 16 strangers, normal people, and drop them on a tropical island to survive. They're split into teams. They have competitions. If you lose the competition, your team votes someone out, and the final Survivor wins a million dollars. Kind of a a new concept. It's kind of like a game show on a deserted island, right? It premiered to about, I think it was about 20 million viewers, which is a lot of viewers. It's a lot of viewers. It's a ton. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just so different and unique that people were interested in what is this. By the end of the season, the finale had 42 million people watching. It was the most watched show of the year. That's, that's incredible. It was more watched than the Super Bowl, than the World Series, than the NBA Finals, really anything. Wow. And yeah. the NHL Stanley Cup. Sorry, I'll throw that in there for you. Well, I mean, QVC gets more ratings than the NHL <laughs> Stanley Cup. Might. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a hit. Everyone loved it. And people would talk about it. It was it kind of defined that water cooler conversation that you hear about now where people would talk about it at work the next day. You know, oh, did you see what happened? Can you believe he did that? Can you believe she did that? And it, it was a huge hit. What are some of your favorite characters out of Survivor? So that first season had the ultimate villain. Everybody loves to hate the villain. And that was Richard Hatch. He, the, the theme to Survivor is outwit, outplay, outlast. And he outplayed and outwitted everybody. And not acknowledge the man who did it first, and some say did it best. From the first moments on the beach, it was clear Richard Hatch was a force to be reckoned with. The first day in Malaysia was shocking. So, so we're saying we need a latrine and we just need a clear place to sleep. Is that all we want? Watching these people start to interact was just a thrill for me. Who am I going to trust? How much can I trust them? Is there such a thing as trust in the game of Survivor? I think I climbed up a tree or something and was just sitting there thinking, hmm, what am I going to do with these idiots? You know, it was a riot. He made friends with everybody, but really didn't make friends with them, would turn their, his back on them and uh, double-cross them to move further in the game. And he ended up ultimately winning. And at the end of Survivor, what happens is the last eight or nine people that are left, are as they're voted out, they become part of the jury who decides who wins. Oh, wow. Okay. And all of the people voted him the winner, and they didn't like him. Um, in fact, the another interesting character was his... Buddy, his partner, that through the whole show, her name was Susan. She was a 40-something truck driver, you know, kind of brash, 
Um, and she, he, large Marge from Pee Wee's. That's, that's yeah, adventure. Yeah. yeah. And she, he completely betrayed her at the end and voted her out right before the end. So she did not get a chance at the millions. I have no questions. I just have statements. Rich, you are very openly arrogant, pompous human being, but I admire your frankness with it. You have worked hard to get where you're at, and you started working hard way before you come to the island. But she voted for him. But she voted for him. Just because he played such a good game. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing. That was that was the experience. Everyone loved to hate Richard Hatch. Now, talk about the coalition building a little bit. So that's the other thing. You know, people can relate to it because of the relationships. You know, right. human humankind, humans thrive on relationships, and this show is all about relationships. It's all about surviving. It's, it's all about building coalitions. So these four people always vote together and they can vote everybody else out because they all decide together who they're going to vote off the island. Now, if you're on two teams, though, how does that work? So do you build coalitions within your team? Within or? your team. Okay, got it, yeah. got it. Everyone's a stranger right. when they get there. In fact, and I don't know if they still do this, but with the first one, they brought them all together on a plane and they said no one can speak to one another. They get off the plane, they get on a boat, and bring them to this island and drop them off, and only at that point could they speak to each other. Wow. So it was completely about building relationships. That's awesome. I mean, as I said, it was a huge hit. Survivor is still on the air. I mean, 34 seasons, it's still going. That season was the number two show in the country for ratings, and the only reason it was number two is because the second season was number one. Wow. Of that year. And why do people like it? I mean, that's... We've touched on it a little bit, but the primary thing, and this is my feeling on it, but people love the competition. They love to see competition. They love to see these challenges. They love to see people... Melt down. Yeah, melt down. They love to see the villain win and then get taken down. They love seeing people behave badly. Like I said, they love to hate the villain. They also relate to people. I mean, that's the thing that Mark Burnett does is build empathy for characters. Well, and so another thing I found interesting when I, when I was researching this is they don't change the, the formula for, for that show. They and don't. They tweak it slightly so exactly. it, it keeps it exciting. Exactly. Yeah. Because there's been some reality shows that have all just been villains, but people aren't, don't root for villains long term. There's that's a it. lot of fascinating uh, stories about... That's a great point, Adam, and you see it... In other shows, the one you, you mentioned, The Bachelor, is a great one, too. These editors create, whether they're true villains or not, they create the villains, they raise them up, and then they take them down. Yeah. And that's what people like to see. Yeah. Uh, I think Bachelor's the exception, because what's the name of that guy who, uh, this is the final rose, Captain Obvious? What's, oh, yeah. what's his name? Chris something, Oh, I man, think. if I have one day left to live, he's going with me. Ladies, Juan Pablo, this is the final rose tonight. When you're ready. That, that's that guy, that's brutal. I mean, well, he's For had some controversy. Years, all he has to do is is say last rose. That's all he does. Yeah, pretty amazing. So that's a pretty low bar. But in parallel, this new genre is happening. There's a lot of criticism that starts to develop about reality TV, and I mm-hmm. think and I think rightfully so, because a lot of it's not quote unquote real, right? right. So you have not to pick on Bachelor constantly, yeah. but I think the Bachelors are a really good example. I agree with you. The roses in front of the house are fake. All these marriages, yeah. I think there was that one that, that lasted, but I think all of them break up within, like, three days. They do. I yeah. mean, most of the people are aspiring actors yeah. or actresses, right? Yeah. You know, and that's the other thing to touch on is 
the other thing that made this a really popular show was sex. I mean, they picked attractive people dressed in hardly anything on a hot island. Did any of them hook up? Um, I don't know if they did in the first season, but people definitely hooked up. In fact, there's a couple, Rob and Amber, who are in Survivor folklore, who both each won a, se- a season, um, and they ended up getting married. And now they have super children? They have super children. They actually were on The Amazing Race for a couple seasons. Oh, too. wow. They're the, the lifers in the reality genre. Wow, hey. You know, awesome make, make a career out of it, right? Yep. A lot of these things are relatively staged. And going back to The Bachelor, you know, that, that is probably one of the most staged ones there is. And, you know, you have marriage proposals at the end. Obviously, put whatever weight behind it you want. But some of the contestants said you, at most, spent 72 hours between the last two finalists yeah. Before you propose marriage to one it's of them. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty it? amazing. Yeah. So Bachelor Ben Flangic, Flagnick, uh said about the rose ceremony where you're picking the love of your life. Yes. And, and, and that guy has his moment where he gets to, this <laughs> Last is the final, rose, the, where he gets to inform the, the complete obvious that it's a final rose. Yes. He said, quote, it's really hard to remember everyone's name the first night. And the rose ceremony is no different. During the taping of the rose ceremony, you memorize five names, signal to the producer that you're done. And then go memorize five more. <laughs> <laughs> so on and on. It gets easier as the night goes on, though. Unquote. Okay. So, That's uh, yeah, you have that on one end. I mean, what do you think yeah. is the most real reality TV show that there's been? Well, before you, I say that, I think the most fake reality show there ever was was The Hills, which was on MTV. I never saw that one. So that followed Lauren Conrad, who is this girl who grew up in Laguna Beach and moved to L.A., it was all about young, attractive people, you know, living in L.A. And um, I think it lasted, I don't know, five years maybe. And it was a pretty popular show. And in the last episode of the of the show, they revealed that everything was fake. It was all staged. All the people were actors. And really, their relationships were not real. Well, what was the other one there? There was that Joe Millionaire one where, where, oh, where yeah. they said, marry this millionaire. And this guy was just not anything no. like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, was it Joe Millionaire? Was Who it? wants to marry a millionaire or yeah. something like that? Darla Convert. I, I forget what it was, but yeah, it, it was Darla. just it was a disaster. And for for some reason, we watch it. Yeah, that's our thing. Is you do to your point. You you just want to see the train wreck unfold with the balance at the end, right? The yin and the yang. Yeah, but the but you you start to see more genres open up, which I think is part of the cool part of reality TV. You know, you have the deadliest catch. Mm-hmm. You have the last Alaskans. Bering Sea Gold, things like that. Obviously, they're not doing history programs on History Channel anymore, but there are some cool reality shows. There are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just going, again, going back to, like, why people like it, is these are real people, real people. And, again, I'm I'm big in air quotes. Matt is is doing some really massive air quotes again. Real people who become famous. I mean, to name a few, on the second season of Survivor, Elizabeth Hasselbeck was a contestant. You know, and if you don't know who Elizabeth Hasselbeck is, she was on The View for like 10 years. She's a... Um, and she's married to Matt Hasselbeck. And she's married to Matt Hasselbeck. Yeah. Yep. The, the journeyman of journeyman yeah. quarterbacks. You know, American Idol created I was just about to say, Kelly we haven't Clarkson, even touched on that Carrie yet. Underwood, the Jennifer voice. Hudson, The Voice, yep. And, um, and I thought American Idol was a cool concept because it wasn't just you take, you have one show and you're done. 
you're getting a, re- a recording contract out yeah. of it. And granted, you have that one... You, you just want them to win, you know? Exactly. And that, again, goes back to the empathy, yeah. where, where people want to root for a winner. They don't want to root for... They don't want to see a villain long-term, right? You, you know, and it's funny you say that, Adam. You bring up empathy. With In doing research, I was reading about American Idol, and when American Idol started, the, the most popular shows and the biggest shows were the ones where they showed terrible singers singing and watched the judges making fun of them. By the end of its run, 15 years later, people were sick of that. They wanted to see good singers and wanted to root for people. So they they actually stopped showing bad singers. Well, that was that guy, William. Well, he got a record deal out of it, too, did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah I mean, he she was bang, just... Yeah, bang. yeah, oh, man. man yeah. That just took me back there. Who was the name of that guy who was the judge that everyone hated? Simon Cowell? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he got booted from the show eventually, didn't he? Quit. He, he quit. He quit. Now he's the producer of America's Got Talent, another reality television okay. show that is always the highest ratings in the summers yeah. in the U.S. Another group of celebrities are true reality celebrities, like... The Kardashians and Paris Hilton. You know, these are people who, whether you think they have talent or not, they're famous for being themselves on a reality television well, show. Well, let's not talk about how Paris Hilton got her start, but we'll... Uh, or Kim Kardashian. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think that's a good segue into kind of the, the downsides, right? Because you can't look at reality TV in a vacuum. You have to look at it as part of our whole society as it's been evolving in the last 20 to 30 years. Mm-hmm. And initially you had the backlash where people are like, reality TV is terrible, it's trash, it's it's teaching bad values to our kids. And there's a backlash, but then you ha- everyone kind of converted and is watching some sort of reality TV at this point. Yes. But in parallel, you have Facebook, you have Twitter, you have all these social media and all these distractions of not of a non-real so a lot of people say you have your facebook you mm-hmm. and then there's the real <laughs> you you have the twitter you sure. you have your uber rating you have all those things now and reality tv is just in my opinion another branch of that uh, of transporting yourself into another world and people really yeah. ha- have kind of started to latch onto that and, the, and reality tv is another kind of distraction in a world full of distractions and there's <laughs> It's a good quote. So awareness is really starting to take off. And I don't know, do you watch Netflix much? Yeah. Have you heard about the show called Black Mirror? Yes. That Great show. Okay, yeah. So that one, it's uh, kind of about the, exactly what I was just talking about, where people are looking to maximize their rating, which is a mixture of their Facebook likes, their Twitter likes, their Uber ratings, their Yelp ratings, and trying to get their rating as high as they possibly can. And it's called, it's a phenomenon called the hedonistic treadmill, which is what a lot of people are saying our society is subjected to right now, where there's really no long-term pleasure. It's all just instant gratification. Yeah. And I don't think, I I have no way blaming reality TV for it, but it's a, a symptom of that. We're all looking for that outlet. We are. But again, it's it's going back to the 1950s when we find out that one of the producers for The Bachelor told a contestant to do something. We get indignant and we we get pissed because we like like our alternate realities to be just real enough. It doesn't – for me, it doesn't matter how bad a reality television show is. If I watch – if I binge watch a couple episodes, I'm sucked in. Yeah. And I will watch it. You know, my wife loves The Bachelor, and I watch The Bachelor now because she watches it. And I'm like, oh, this show's so terrible. This is my not surprise face. And then after two two episodes, you're like, oh, is he going to pick that girl? Nope, he's not. 
because it's the you just you get pulled into it. Yeah. Well, anyway. I'm sorry. It's to that hear treadmill. That. Yeah, it is that 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 treadmill. Yeah. So I'm not really sure where I was going with that, but I think <laughs> <laughs> I but, liked it. Yeah. But Black Mirror is a great show. I mean, yeah. it's it's a it's a show that every episode is a standalone episode, and it's mm-hmm. based on social media. You know, every every piece of it. It's yeah. really interesting. It's it's uh, yeah. it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah. So kind of looking at our moment, we chose Survivor because when Survivor came, it was a huge hit. Immediately after Survivor, all these reality shows started coming out, whether they were good or bad. Bachelor, The Amazing Race you mentioned, The Mole, The Apprentice, Top Chef, Master Chef, Super Nanny, Chop Jr. Yeah. Yeah. And it not only changed the television shows we watch, but it changed the whole environment. I mean, there are many, many channels now that are just based on reality television. Yeah, very true. TLC. True TV. True TV. Yeah. History Channel, Animal Channel. So what what are some of the best reality TV shows you remember? Because my favorite now is Naked and Afraid. Do you watch that at all? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. It's kind of like Survivor, except for it seems like it's just a lot more brutal. It is. Yeah. Oh, man. Did you see the 40-person one where they had 40 people? No. So normally... So the premise of the normal show is you have a man and a, and a woman dropped in. They never met before. They're dropped in naked without clothes, and they have to survive for 21 days. In a, in a harsh environment. In a harsh environment. And it may sound sexy to some people, but it's the polar opposite it's of that. It's so gross. Yeah, it's very gross. Like, these people are getting – they don't sleep. They're getting yeah. eaten by bugs. They're fighting a lot of times. Yeah. But the 40-person one was they kind of had – they had 40 contestants – and they would all – they had different groups that they would band around in and stuff like that. And they, But they're catching their own food. And, I mean, it's, yeah. not, it's not like we have a challenge where, where you're fed every day regardless. You have to f- find your own food. So I really like Top Chef. It's, Top. A, it's been on for many years. Okay. I think there's 13 years now. And it just picks up-and-coming chefs who have – well, it started off as up-and-coming chefs. Now it's really more decorated chefs who compete in a city – that's chosen by them for the season for top, the position of top chef. Yeah. And, you know, with that, they get a certain amount of money to help start up a restaurant or do whatever they want with. But it really makes them household names. It kind of sounds like a Shark Tank type of thing, right? It for is. Food? I mean, yeah, yeah somewhat yeah. like that. Yep. It's a it's a great show. Yeah. <laughs> good. I, I think another one that's a really good example of what we're talking about, where people get indignant, is Bear Grylls. Yeah, because he has these great shows that people are doing all of these outdoor survival techniques, and he's doing all this crazy stuff. But he's getting help from his producers. He's right. not, he's not sleeping in a ditch every night. And when he started out, people found out he actually stayed in a Holiday Inn one night, and they got indignant. And again, you know, you don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, but people get people pissed care. about this stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. But Bear Grylls is a guilty pleasure of mine. There's a meme, you know, about Bear Grylls, and everyone makes fun of him, but I can't help but like it a little bit. I love the show. Yeah. I think he's entertaining. Yeah, he is. So there's been, there's been some other, what are some of the other ones? So this is not one I watch. The series of these is Temptation not, Island? But it's, a, it's been, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's the Real Housewives of whatever. Reunion begins. You're not smart. You're not smart. You never can win when you're dirty, honey. I want to have my children, and they know mommy's going to be home. You said I'm out of my mind about what? Listen. Amazing grace. (laughs) I'm not the one that had sex with a convicted felon. I really don't care much for her. Maybe you should stop texting me then. Oh. You've been trying to get with me. I will do to you what your wife. Don't oh, do you me. are so. 
So Bravo has Real Housewives, and there's a bunch of them, New York, New Jersey, L.A., Orange County, Atlanta, Beverly Hills, yeah. yeah. And it basically takes really catty women, really rich catty women who just um, hate on each other, and it's it's so horrible. Like, you're like, you don't like any of the people. They do horrible things. They're so shallow. But it's a hit. Everyone wants to watch it. I know my sister-in-law records them all, and my poor brother-in-law just has to sit there and deal with it. Because she loves every one of them. My bro- my sister-in-law loves that show. And my brother has to suffer through it, too. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's just guilty pleasures. Yep. You know? I think we touched on it briefly, but these are ratings juggernauts, these shows. A lot of these. There's always a show of the season that's the ratings juggernaut. You know, Survivor was it for a while. American Idol was shortly after that. American Idol had the best, I think it was eight years in a row, they were the number one show in the country. Dancing with the Stars was after that. Um, in the last few years, it's been The Voice, actually. Mm-hmm. So you, I, I don't know what's going to be next, but it's cheap, cheap to produce. It brings in ratings. You can charge so much for advertising because people just watch it. And not only do they watch it, but they talk about it the next day. Yeah, and, and I think you going back to what made this possible, I mean, you have the cable networks where they are now. You couldn't have had this with a, a three major network. Mm-mm. You're fighting for TV time. There's so many. It's almost so much noise now. Yeah. That. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. It's true. You're, you're fighting for, for a spot, you know, among all the white noise, right? Right. Yeah. So uh, we'll be curious to see. What do you think's next? Mm. Virtual reality TV <laughs> from your house? Let's see. Let's see. I'm trying to think what's next. Well, if we knew that, we wouldn't be working. I know, right? Yeah, I don't know. I think they find a formula. I think it's always a top. It's always like a a music or talent show that seems to be the ones that take yeah. off these days. Yeah, absolutely. How about yeah. you? Yeah, I think virtual reality's got to be part of it, right? So sure. where where you're kind of not I a think... video game, right? Like where where you're the video game's already there, but I don't think yeah. it's interactive to the point where that's a great. Point. Yeah, I think yeah. you're going to see more interactivity, especially like you said with social media. And the way people can interact with anybody now. Yeah. That it'll pull people in even more. That scares you. Imagine what our kids are going to be doing. Mm, no. Yeah. Well, watch Black Mirror and see. You're, you're going to be a little freaked out watching that show, but definitely check it out. Shameless Netflix plug. <laughs> and that episode that you were talking about, it has... Uh, it's called Nosedive, I think. Yep, that yeah. episode you saw yeah. is Nosedive. Bryce Dallas Howard mm-hmm. is the star in it. It was a good one. It's freaky. Because it's not like this really remote in the future type of show. It's like this is happening today. You know, you have that one friend who's really pissed that they have a four point seven for their Uber rating. Right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> just is what it is. Are you, are you talking about me again? No, I mean, I'm, should have checked that guy. <clears throat> you know, what are you gonna do? You can't an Uber. You can only do that in Lyft. Apparently, you can. You can. You give him cash. No. Oh, okay. Otherwise, you get a four star rating. Wow. Tribal knowledge. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to this this episode of American Moments. Next, we appreciate it. Next episode, we're going to take a little bit of a, more of a serious turn to talk about Upton Sinclair's book, The Jungle. Slightly different. Slightly different. Uh, reality in a, in a different way. Right. For those of you who don't know what The Jungle is, it was a it was a turn of the century novel that spoke about the poor conditions in manufacturing um, in America at the yeah. time. So, really light topic. Right. Uh, yeah. Just like Survivor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Thank you. A little in shock at the moment. It's nice to go out in the most ridiculous tribal council in the history of tribal councils, but right now I'm pissed. JT's not getting a Christmas card. Stupid kid couldn't keep his mouth shut. And 
to know one of the biggest experiences of your life just came to a, what feels like an extremely premature end is hard to swallow.